studying that evidence led me to have a full-blown religious experience while I was the elders quorum president of my ward. I ended up teaching my elders quorum president that Joseph Smith was not a polygamist. First, let me point this out. The original name of the church, three words, Church of Christ. And it's consistent with 3 Nephi 27 to where it is my church if it is in my name, built on my gospel. Because the Latter-day Saints in 1834 were no longer built upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, they wouldn't enter into the rest of the Lord in Kirtland. Now they're demoted to the Church of the Latter-day Saints. So, so you guys are proposing that instead of being harmed alongside Hiram and Joseph Smith, during the martyrdom of Joseph Smith, that Joseph and Hiram Smith were actually assassinated not by the mob outside of the jail, but by uh, fellow saints and apostles, Willard Richards and Oliver Cowdery. John, John I'm sorry, not Oliver Cowdery. John <laughs> Taylor from inside of the cell with guns that were smuggled and meant to defend them. Yeah. Right? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Cardin Ellis. The show is Midnight Mormons, and today I'm joined in the studio with none other than Barad Whitbeck and Kwaku L, as well as joined by none other than Jacob Isbell. I didn't even realize there was a beard contest. And now look at this. For those who are getting it visually, um, some of us here on the call do have faces for radio. So that might be better than some are getting audio only. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as you can see, he's a very enthusiastic missionary for the Doctrine of Christ uh, movement, which is uh, making some waves here with some really interesting and provocative uh, documentary content. And let let me just jump in. I don't mean to be somebody who jumps in. It's like, I'm not a missionary for any Doctrine of Christ movement. I'm a missionary for christ and that's the only way i would ever that's the way that i've viewed myself since i was 15 all right excellent so i'll finish the sentence i started I that uh this guy <laughs> just um, mute me when you need to <laughs> yeah awesome so uh there's a documentary floating around that purports to tell an alternate history uh compared to the standard narrative of who shot jfk i mean sorry joseph smith and these guys <laughs> are purporting uh, a, a different storyline, and uh, it's it, it's it's a fun conversation topic. And apparently, this guy uh, regularly has drinks with one Quaku L. So I don't drink, Jacob. This is our first time meeting. It doesn't really count as a meeting, does it? If it's over, yeah. Zoom, so but, talk to yeah. us, man. Quaku, yeah. you lead lead this charge, man. This guy's oh, your friend. So um. Well, yes, we are not. We're friends now. I wish we were homies because if we were in closer proximity, I would already be sending out messages. Can we please consume seared bovine flesh together? That, that's how I usually get to know somebody. That has yet to take place. I hope that Quaku and I get a chance, not is, the rest of is you. That, is that like a fancy way of saying having a steak dinner? It is. Or it is, is it a burger? Yeah, I, 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 seared bovine flesh. I do like it in the ground beef format. I like it when you oh. simply chop up that animal. There is a taco shop here close enough <laughs> that if you show up early in the morning, they let you kill your own cow. Whoa. Where do yeah. you live? It, I'm Ogden area. So it's it, in it Ogden, the, not Iraq. Is, it, it, used to, <laughs> it, it, it used to be the crossroads of the West and it has a very. Uh, this is what history. we've lost in America. <laughs> yes. I'm liking this guy already. I don't care what alternate history you have. You unironically either threatened or offered to speak in the gift of tongues in the pre-show <laughs> and then also spoke 
<laughs> about by the way about that gift in tongues i gotta tell you that's something that uh our church authorities i don't want to say they're sweeping under the rug but they're not addressing it man when you read that book of acts it wasn't just learning the language really skillfully in the mtc if you prayed and tried hard these bros busted out other tongues and yeah. they were understood elsewhere. So I got to tell you, man, the fact that this guy wanted to speak in tongues while participating in seared bovine flesh makes me think, you know, there's something going on here that's worth listening to. Here's it's something so interesting that the Book of Mormon burnt offerings in the Book of Mormon in Spanish because I learned Spanish as a missionary in the Midwest. I was called English speaking then switched to Spanish. I learned that burnt offerings are holocaustos, spelled almost exactly like the word holocaust. Holocaustos, that's burnt offering. So I do engage in Holocaustos, not necessarily of the spiritual kind. Oh my word. That, that was that was a comparison <laughs> to uh that was a comparison to uh a burger that I could see easily yeah. clipped and manipulated in cyberspace. Yeah, that's but, not gonna age well. Yeah. Well, okay, so last night we watched um we watched Who Killed Joseph Smith, Justin yeah. Griffin's documentary. Um and uh, you know it. I have I've never seen anything like it. Um, I think the past decade or so, the Mormon media sphere has been John Dillon esque, Bill Real, Jeremy Runnels, the ex Mormon gone more secular type mindset. And then suddenly, and then Denver Snuffer came in with his thing, but he was kind of boring and lost steam. And then suddenly, a bunch of millennials and Gen Xers kicked down the door with. <laughs> Who killed Joseph Smith? And you're like, what's going on? And it's such a new, like, addition to the conversation. It's kind of taken everyone by surprise. Yeah. Um, and um, so I did a little bit of research. I not, I couldn't. I listened to a podcast you did. Yeah. Um, you interviewed someone, and then I did some research on Phil Davis. Oh, dude, um, he's a trip. Yeah. So uh, it turns out I did. Taken- you see Phil Davis and I in a push-up contest? I, no, 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 no. Who won? Oh, all, all, I, I wish I could say. Okay, well, let's I'm skip to the mean potato. He did beat me at a push-up contest quite, quite I soundly. Say, I, I don't care if he can out-push up Russell M. Nelson. This guy is proposing the Oliver Cowdery and... Well, uh, is he or is Justin proposing? Them? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, right. so you guys are proposing that instead of being harmed alongside Hiram and Joseph Smith during the martyrdom of Joseph Smith, that Joseph and Hiram Smith were actually assassinated not by the mob outside of the jail, but by uh, fellow saints and apostles, Willard Richards and Oliver Cowdery. John Taylor. I'm sorry, not Oliver Cowdery. Duh. John <laughs> Taylor from inside of the cell with guns that were smuggled and meant to defend them. Yeah, right? Willard right. Richards and John Taylor. Yeah, it's a, in other words, it's kind of like, have we been taught the accurate history of our own church? And it's, it, it's some of the things that really point out something went awry and it went awry somewhat early. I remember being a young missionary, reading the Doctrine and Covenants the whole way through for the first time and feeling that excitement. And the, the kind that I recognize doesn't generate with me. You can tell that I'm an enthusiastic person. But as I would read the Doctrine and Covenants every single morning, and I know that it was summertime because the sun was up when I'm doing my early morning studies, mm-hmm. I would have to pause and say, did this already happen? Is this 150 plus years ago? Because I kept getting the feeling that everything that I'm reading, the Doctrine and Covenants, is right here at the gates. It's about to kick off. But then when I would just try to use my own mind to analyze, okay, well, 150 plus years ago, I'm sure that it, it happened somehow. And I would read that. And then now I get that same enthusiasm regarding the Doctrine and Covenants. The story that's being told in the Covenants of the Lord in the Doctrine of Covenants 
There's about to be authorized messengers who go throughout the entire world endowed unmistakably with the power of God. They're going to have the sealing power among them. They're going to have the higher priesthood to be able to move mountains out of the way, steer rivers out of their course and command the elements. And it's going to be the gathering of the Lord's people for the last time. There's specific stakes of Zion that are identified as being permanent for building the kingdom of God and receive the city of Enoch. Well, did any of that happen while Joseph Smith was alive? And I realized, no. Some of the main critics of Joseph Smith who call him a false prophet, they say, look at this huge percentage of prophecies contained in the Doctrine of Covenants that did not come to pass. Well, there's a reason why Joseph Smith was killed and all of the covenants and the promises about building the kingdom of God in the heartland of America were abandoned. And all of a sudden, the new and everlasting covenant of offering God your broken heart and contrite spirit is now changed to polygamy. And for the first three decades in Utah, now you're being told the new and everlasting covenant, polygamy or damnation, polygamy or no exaltation, you would not be allowed to be a bishop in any in any congregation, a branch president. You would be removed from a place. You'd be met with great suspicion if you ever spoke out against polygamy. And I learned later that polygamy was fought by Joseph Smith his entire tenure as president of the church. I could spend one consecutive hour just reciting Joseph Smith's publications and the documentation of his public sermons condemning polygamy in all of its forms at an increasing level until he was assassinated. Let's go to the room just to give a little bit of setup, the story that we've been told regarding uh, the assassination of Joseph Hiram. We're told that four individuals are in the room, Joseph Smith, Hiram Smith, his brother, Willard Richards, big fat boy, and John Taylor. Two of those men are confirmed polygamists. We found out years later because of documentation that they already had extra wives at the time that they were in the jail cell with Joseph Smith, who condemned polygamy his whole life, and the okay, so I got one question. Just, just to back up, yeah. But Joseph yeah. Smith practiced polygamy himself. It's not no, like no, he was... never did. In other words, right now the church possesses three essays on the subject of polygamy. If you were to simply go to all of the original sources the church uses on the church website, the earliest documentation claiming that Joseph Smith was a polygamist is from over eight years after his assassination. And so the Templot the... trials then. What do you yeah, have to say about the, the, yeah, the women the, the vast, who testified yeah. that they were married to Joseph Smith? Were they yeah, all lying let me just then? Let me give a quick rundown okay. of okay, the evidences cool. the church uses to claim that Joseph Smith was a polygamist. Well, you know what? Let me go back a little bit because this will make this, this it'll help you understand why this is more personal to me. I have never had an issue with polygamy in my entire life. My dad is practically a polygamist. He's as close as you can be to a polygamist without taking an extra wife, like move down to Mexico. What, what does that, that even right mean, right Jacob? Is he what like, does that mean? Like how daddy? can I be a part of it? No, <laughs> get, get him on one of these. But in any event, uh, I, rem I knew that Joseph Smith was a polygamist since I was a teenager. Before I was a missionary, I knew about it. When I was in my 20s, working my first call center job with hardly any calls coming in because it was a new queue, I read all almost the entire journal of discourses. I took notes on my Google Docs. Every single sermon that any leader of the church has ever given on the subject of polygamy. I could quote it back to you. I have, I have an abnormally good memory. And this was something of interest to me. When I had friends who would ask, hey, um, Brother Isbell, so what about this about polygamy? I'd say, yeah, it's an eternal doctrine. Uh, we don't get exaltation without it. 
And uh, if somebody would ask, what's the new and everlasting covenant? Well, it's polygamy. I know that we call it eternal marriage now. That's, I don't want to go too long, but that's just my way of saying I was 100% on board. I felt completely confident I could teach a class on it impromptu. I had a friend who asked me, now I was the elders quorum president of my ward at this time. This is um, 2019. A friend asked me, why do you believe Joseph Smith was a polygamist? And I'm telling him, dude, it's established. He asked, established by who? And I said, the wives. And he asked me, when did the wives write it down? Well, I know it was years after Joseph's death because it was such a, a difficult okay. topic. And, and he asked, what's the revelation that commands polygamy? Doctrine and Covenants, section 132. He asked, when did the Latter-day Saints see it? July 12th, 1843. And I'm telling him, I could teach you a class on it right now. And he says, is that when the Latter-day Saints first saw that document? I said, I think so. And he says, well, let me know what you find out. He forgot about that conversation. I became acutely aware. I recognized the spirit was telling me, Jacob, you have holes in your knowledge and you should do something about it. I began to study the subject of Joseph Smith's polygamy for the first time in my life from the possibility that maybe he wasn't a polygamist. So now we get to the sources. Like I read all three of the church essays, practically memorize them. The earliest documentation that claims that Joseph Smith was a polygamist is Doctrine and Covenants section 132. It was shown to the Latter-day Saints September 14th, 1852, when it was first published in the Deseret News, eight years after Joseph Smith's assassination. It was never voted on by the Latter-day Saints. The wording inside of it sounds nothing like any revelation Joseph Smith has ever produced. And it now changes the new and everlasting covenant from offering God your broken heart and contrary spirit into polygamy. And it's a huge departure. All the rest of them, more than 80% of the rest of the documents the church uses are from more than three decades after so Joseph Smith's death. Just, just to check with you, because you're losing me a little bit by saying yeah. that there's no documentation here. Like, what about Fanny no, Alger? What I'm saying and is the documentation is from long after Joseph Smith was assassinated. With Levi Hancock and everything back with Fanny Alger, that's not. Like, with Oliver Cowdery leaving the church when he did, that was about polygamy. And well, I, the, I can at least let you know that the church doesn't use those sources in any of their essays. So, okay, what so, I'm so I just want to make sure I'm understanding what the church you. uses. Because okay, I want to make sure I'm understanding you. So I can see why this is attractive to a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Because, hey, all of a sudden, you know, the, the big awkward spot of polygamy, it's not original gangster Joseph Smith's fault. It's it, a yeah, perversion. Is it possible that Joseph Smith was honest his entire life on that subject? Yeah, so yes. um, it's, it, you know... And it's these guys that were trying to push an agenda later, you know what I'm saying, that that kind of screwed things up. And that's why a bunch of these uh, minor prophecies that you think about, like, I assume you mean like returning to the temple lot to build the temple and like there being a stake up where uh, Strang was um, and the promises to the Strangites and so on and so forth. That a lot of these smaller uh, prophecies that kind of just go unlooked in a peripheral reading of the Doctrine and Covenants could have happened had the church not basically been usurped from him by what ended up being bad actors, just as bad as the people that turned him over to the Missouri militia, just as bad as W.W. Phelps, who bailed on him. Uh, but this time you're saying they took literally the law into their own yeah. hands. So Joseph Smith was not duplicitous. He was not publicly putting out a perception of being a faithful monogamous and secretly marrying teenage girls and married women that never happened because you say that never happened because the documents the church uses 
were all published years after his martyrdom or the death of the people involved, pretty much you're saying. Well, th that's some of the evidence of it. Studying that evidence led me to have a full-blown religious experience while I was the elders quorum president of my ward. I ended up teaching my elders quorum president that Joseph Smith was not a polygamist. And it, uh, that was fun because it got How a uh, multimillionaire. Well, it, was, <laughs> it was fun because uh, one, of the, one of the multimillionaire uh, general authorities, he became very closely involved in, in pressuring my stake president to take action against me. I went from being the golden boy of the stake to being, holy crap, what happened here? Was it the beard or the alternate history? You know, you know, you know it's funny. I grew the beard in part because I thought that's going to keep me from having a, a, a high demand calling. But even with a beard, every bit as long as this one right now, I was called as the elders quorum president. And then I, I already shared with you, I had a buddy who asked, Jacob, why do you believe polygamy? I recognize I had holes in my knowledge. When I began to study this, I was already feeling like an upward spiritual trajectory in my life. I know what that feels like, and, the, and it feels good, and I try to maintain it and grow it. Mm -hmm. When I started to study this, the spiritual trajectory took a noticeable uptick. My ministering experiences, opportunities to go out and give blessings to others. Um, I, when I formed the opinion, then it took about three weeks to study everything that the church has to offer. I could tell the Spirit telling me, don't go to anybody's blog, don't go anywhere else. I simply went exclusively to the church website. When I formed the opinion that I felt was an informed opinion that Joseph Smith never taught nor practiced polygamy, I felt the Spirit tell me, write down your reasoning. I spent a couple of days writing down a document. It's not a big, long manifesto. It's basically, here's the sources the church uses. Here's how I evaluate them. And I've come to a different conclusion than what the church teaches. Okay. So regardless, that, that's very interesting. I accept yeah. that. And, and my, my only response to that is, regardless of whatever conclusions you came to, wouldn't it be fair to say that a renewed enthusiasm for studying church history and the scriptures and their actual relevance to modern day and ancient times and, and, and recent history that that renewed vigor created the increase in spirituality, not necessarily the validity of what you were saying, because for well, example, somebody who's, I don't know, figuring out their sexuality is uh, somebody else who's gone through a bitter divorce and reading lots of stories about divorce and now having renewed self-worth, like couldn't really any kind of not traumatic event, but any kind of large event that requires inquiry, increased spirituality. Therefore, if you're having, a, you know, becoming what you feel is, is closer to God through these studies, couldn't that just be due to the nature of study itself, not necessarily because of what you are studying? Well, I don't know how to speak on behalf of anybody else's experience. I recognize that my Heavenly Father wanted me to figure this one out in so much that when I was studying this and I recognized, wow, there's implications regarding Joseph Smith's death, and I was about to click something to study that further, I felt the Spirit give me a rebuke and saying, nope, leave that alone. You'll figure that out later. This was one specific topic my Heavenly Father okay. expected so me to So what did you figure out? out? Okay, oh, What so did I figure awesome. out? You feel, you feel driven. Oh, you feel uh, called uh, to, it, it, so what did you figure out, man? So here's the short version of what I came to. Joseph Smith's public teachings condemn polygamy. What used to be Doctrine and Covenants, section 101, the wording is, inasmuch as this church has been charged with the crimes of fornication and polygamy, and just pause for my commentary, fornication and polygamy are used synonymously in, a, in the previous editions of our scriptures. We hereby declare that we believe hmm. that any man should have but one wife and any woman but one husband except in the case of death, in which case they would be at liberty to marry again. That and then increasing condemnations of polygamy in all of its forms, whether people are trying to call it spiritual wifery or something else, 
it's publicly condemned. And I'm coming to the conclusion, Heavenly Father, I believe he really means it. I don't believe this is careful wording of him trying to say, I don't want to answer for the secret wives that I'm supposed to be having. I completely believed this man is straight up honest. He is a faithful monogamist the way that he's publicly showing himself to be. When I knelt down to pray about it, I I glanced at my phone because it says 12.04 a.m. on Sunday, January 12th. I kneel down to pray about it. I'm not going to relate the whole experience, but it turned into an experience with the spirit, which endured for more than two hours in a row. And I asked Heavenly Father, am I supposed to share this with my elders quorum? The answer was quick and simple. Yeah. I'm like, well, crap. Like I, I immediately felt the anxiety go up because I realized I realized something that I valued very much. I valued being perceived as a leader in my congregation and in my stake. And I realized yeah, if I, I don't do have that problem. This, yeah, <laughs> if I, if I, if I, but I did. And I realized, OK, I like to wear my three piece suit to church. I like being perceived as, oh, brother Isabel, look what he's doing. I really I, the kind of enthusiasm that you're getting from me a little bit. That's my natural default mode. I knew that I could be permanently changing my relationship to the church if I do this. When I did, I testified in the name of Jesus Christ to my entire elders quorum. We're talking you got six plus former bishops inside of there. The um the uh, stake representative from the high council was inside of there. You've got three lifelong employees of the church educational system. You've got about a dozen young bucks that are my age or younger. And I know how to run a good elders quorum. I knew how, that the spirit was balancing people having ideas as we're talking about personal revelation. Last 15 minutes, I asked, why do you believe Joseph Smith was a polygamist? And I gave them the short version of what the church teaches. I gave the short version of me studying it. And I testified and you got people literally grabbing their faces. The discomfort is so intense. Nobody. Yeah, but what was their beef? I mean, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, I guess <laughs> I'm sitting in there and I kind of think like, well, is this necessary to your salvation? Yeah. Yeah. It's easy for like, people I to mean, oh, like, what does that matter? Like, OK, it's, it's weird and controversial. Uh, but I mean, how is that any yeah, different? Most than people, some people feel like, yeah, that, just let me keep going to these elders quorum meetings and I'll just show my temple recommend to St. Peter and I'll get in. Well, I don't know about that. You know, for a guy that doesn't say gosh, you um, meander into. Oh, I do say gosh. Gosh is for people who don't. Heck is for people who don't believe in gosh. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, like, okay. Well, what did they care? Like, at the end of the day, okay. So you got an alternate history that's a little bit kooky. We let progressives in that think that the 1619 project is real. You know, so like, what, what, what's wrong with the guy? If I can interject here, so yeah, it sounds like you um, came to the conclusion that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. And then that begs the question, well, where did this doctrine of polygamy come from if yeah. if, if if not Joseph Smith? Yeah. And so that seems intertwined with the fact that you're saying the same men who practiced polygamy yeah. and framed Joseph for it were the same men who orchestrated his well, assassination. Here, here's one of the big differences. I compare men, and here's some of the men that I, that I call prophets of God. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Moses, and Joseph Smith, these are all men who testified openly about being called into the presence of God, receiving a message from him, and calling others to repentance that they might have the same experience. Yeah, pretty yeah. Yeah. In other words, when I say a prophet of God, I'm talking about men in those category. Brigham Young was rather open and sometimes making very humble admissions that he's never even had an encounter with an angel, let alone seen the face of God or had any direct encounter with Jesus Christ. And the last quote that, that I know from him is within about two years of death. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 in other words, maybe he was a good man. I think there's plenty of good things and bad things that people can harp about or, or praise him for. But as far as being a prophet of God like Joseph Smith, he just doesn't qualify. 
Okay. There's a reason. By no question, though. your definition. Uh, yes. In other words, the definition that we read in the scriptures. So that's the definition, not my definition. that you interpreting that from the scriptures. God are no, called no. into the presence I, of God Jacob, and they testify of it. Your your interpretation of the scriptural definition. Well, that, that's an interesting of, question, the, though. The, so do you think it's? it's well, it. well, then let me go back over to. Well, well hold is, on. Is I just want to know. Do you think it's? Do you think it's a requirement? Is, is before, there is there a different definition of a prophet of God? Well, is there such a thing as a prophet well, who doesn't prophesy? That's what I'm asking. So the question is. For you, is it a requirement in order to be defined as a prophet that you have to have been face to face with God? Not that you can be, that you have to have been face to face with God. Well, the pattern that I recognize in the scriptures is that those who are prophets of God have been called into his presence. No, no, and I have get that might be the pattern, but do you think that's a yeah. requirement? Because like right I mean, now I'm thinking, OK, Moses. Yeah, there was the burning bush. Uh -huh. I get that. Okay, some people could say Stephen saw God because Jesus appeared to him. Paul had his experience Paul on the road to Damascus. But what about like? Well, yeah, there's all plenty of people that we don't know of all the, the details of Jesus. Well, because I think about well, somebody like, like Samuel the Lamanite. Here's what we 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 don't know much about Samuel the Lamanite other than he was an outsider going over to the Nephites, and they didn't like his message. Some people wanted to get violent and homicidal with him. All that we know is afterwards, when Jesus Christ mentioned Samuel, he says, I told him to say whatever comes into his heart, and he did that. So I don't know if Samuel was called into the presence the same way, but Jesus says, he gave a message authorized from me. I says, if it's in your heart, you say it, and it happens. So somebody who okay, has that level of authority. that's an authorized message, though. That's not necessarily... Hey, yeah, yeah. I, I think so, so in other words, I'm not going to claim that I know if every single one of them has had that, but I certainly do recognize that among Joseph Smith and others. So, okay. uh, Doctrine and Covenant section one thirty six, it's um, a revelation to Brigham Young from the Lord, right? Well, okay, or yeah. I'll say it to, to, to say objective, what purports to be a revelation yeah. <laughs> to Brigham Young yeah. from the Lord Re regarding uh, the wagon trains and groups and things right, like that, and the companies and and uh, and and if I'm not mistaken as well, Brigham Young, he he said he did not have a lot of visions, but he did have one of Joseph after Joseph's death, resurrected Joseph appearing. Yeah. Right. So, OK, not resurrected. More of, I guess, a heavenly visitation of Joseph Smith. So, I mean, yeah. we have revelation and we have angelic appearances. Is that do you disagree well, with those? Or well, I, I, uh, I find it quite suspect that he claims that Joseph Smith came and visited him. Why? Oh, because I don't believe him. I don't believe that Joseph uh, had any communication with him after his assassination. And at all. Why, what basis do you have to I guess say that why you not? Believe in, him? in other words, if Brigham Young is making the claim Joseph Smith has come to me and given me this instruction. Based upon what am I to believe him? All of the uh, all of the revelations regarding building the kingdom of God in the Midwest have been abandoned, and now the new and everlasting covenant is changed to polygamy. Oh, so, so I'm Brigham, sensing. So Brigham, why so you would guys Joseph are no Smith you guys are no goes on Brigham Young. You, you guys are no goes on Brigham Young. Yeah, I mean, I believe that Brigham Young is pretty honest when he says he's never had an encounter with an angel. When Brigham Young says openly he's never been ordained a high priest. When Brigham Young says openly he's never had any encounter with God or Jesus Christ. Okay, so I'm just, just for our listening audience, I'm, I'm forming myself schema of this cool, what are you guys called again? The Doctrine of Christ movement? Yeah, there's a group called the Doctrine of Christ. Okay, cool. There's a, And there's a um, a YouTube channel. I've been a presenter on there a number of Rock times. Rock on. Okay, cool. So, so the Doctrine of Christ movement is um, suggesting a different history than the one that's traditionally told, okay, in which um, John Taylor and Willard Richards assassinate Hiram Smith and Joseph Smith inside of the Carthage yeah. jail from within instead of the mob from without. 
and that that was part of a plot to kind of overthrow the church from its roots of Midwestern um, heartlander almost yeah. uh, uh, heartlander awesomeness to yeah. uh, filthy fire breathing polygamy and um, then that inherently I guess disqualifies Brigham Young and everybody else after him as prophets then well, which it, would the then disqualify key, the rest of the Doctrine and Covenants that they wrote or the, well, I, I, I would say here's the bigger issue okay the the essential covenant, the new and everlasting covenant of offering God your broken heart and contrite spirit became changed to polygamy. The church has since walked it back to call it eternal marriage or temple marriage okay. or celestial okay. marriage. But that has never been in the scriptures ever until after the assassination of Joseph Smith. You say that like the church removed the idea yeah. of giving a broken heart and a contrite spirit, which well, to my the, knowledge has the, stayed there the entire time I've been a member of the church, bro. <laughs> here's, the, here's the big change. The big change is when I asked my bishop, for example, when I'm going through these experiences and I already talked to my elders form president, they aren't sure what to do with me because I'm a weirdo. I remember asking to meet with my bishop and, 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 and I shared with them, here's the experiences that I've had that have led me to this point. Mm -hmm. And uh -huh. I asked him, Bishop, what do you teach the new and everlasting covenant to be? He ho-hummed a little bit and didn't answer, and I and I tried to gently hold his feet to the fire. What is it? If I was asking you, what's the new and everlasting covenant? Uh -huh. Well, Jacob, if a man is married by the proper authority to a woman in the proper place, their their marriage will endure after death. He's given some version of that. Uh -huh. And I told him, the new and everlasting covenant has never been marriage of any kind. It has always been offering God your broken heart and contrite spirit. His brow became very furled. He was very confused, and he says, well, if what you're saying is true, that means all this other stuff is incorrect. Yeah. And his brow furled even more. In other words, he had never contemplated that. The new and everlasting covenant has never well, been married. I mean, there's some anybody. legitimacy to the fact that, like, I mean, when you're sealed, you know, first you're sealed to Christ, and then all of us are in this this, this process afterward as one giant family. Okay, I, I mean, even RFM in their debate with us, we're trying to, he said that, oh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is, well, I, I don't want to misquote him, but he basically said, obsessed and and cornered upon the heterosexual sex act you know what i'm saying was his big yeah. accusation as, as far as so i can forth. tell well tell me if you got the same feeling yeah. he's lost his testimony hasn't he oh 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah so well okay so i guess <laughs> yeah. so first off i'll just tell you well, right now when, when i say testimony, I think, i'm talking about does it seem like he's lost his testimony in god and jesus you mean the rfm guy yeah. Did we debate it? Yes. I, I, oh, I'm yeah, not trying he to get into it. Because like, yeah. like, here's Jane, thing, dude. I mean, like, part of the reason that I take this so seriously, my prayers over the years have been, Heavenly Father, how do I help my friends that have lost their testimonies completely as they've tuned into uh, Mormon Stories podcasts, if they've examined this version of the history? My prayers over and over again for years have been, Heavenly Father, how do I help them? And it was a huge stumbling block. How do I deal with these claims of Joseph Smith and polygamy? Because I believe it, I take no issue with it. It has been it has been a huge explosion of light and influx of the spirit being guided to to first form the opinion. I don't believe he did get an unmistakable explosive answer that he never practiced polygamy. He was the honest monogamous that he purported to be. And then now realizing, hey, all of the covenants that we read in the Doctrine of Covenants, that's about to be fulfilled. So your biggest push then it seems to be more of a cleansing of Joseph Smith of the polygamy label than this my, my alternate push, forensic right history of the four dudes in Carthage, right? Well, see, like my push, 
I don't care about teaching anybody about Joseph Smith or the history of the church unless it's specifically somebody's stumbling block and they're considering getting rid of it. The whole polygamy question or the history question doesn't matter unless that's what stops somebody from entering into the covenant of offering God your broken okay, heart. Okay, so what's so, the... Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I'm curious. Then what's the valid succession of Joseph Smith? If he was In killed, words, then who followed Joseph up? Smith hold- Joseph Smith holds the keys to this day. Let me give you another movie to look up, and it's much shorter than the other one. It's simply called The Return of Joseph Smith. It's on the channel that's called Doctrine of Christ, and it is about Joseph Smith's return for the end time exodus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simply, for those who are wondering, is there something I should look up? Simply look up Joseph Smith's patriarchal blessing at the hands of Oliver Cowdery. When you read it, not only is it powerful along the lines of the visions of Isaiah, but you realize none of this happened during Joseph Smith's life. Okay, so I so guess well, I on. guess how do, and how does any of that, even if you think he still holds the keys and he's going to be returning to help, how how does that preclude the rest of church history yeah. and Brigham well, Young and all of those? The prophets. church lost the Melchizedek priesthood in 1834, like officially, when they were demoted from the Church of Christ to the Church of the Latter-day Saints. They have not had the Melchizedek priesthood since 1834. So no Melchizedek priesthood, all of Utah and all and of And what is your else. evidence for that? What Doctor, Doctrine and Covenants section 84, verses 23 through 26, and I'll just make quick work of this right here. So it makes clear how the Latter-day Saints went through the same exact steps that the children of Israel did anciently. So you know how it'd be so cool if you like post-production put up the screenshot of section 84, starting with <laughs> verses 23. Yeah, I now this, mo- and I, you're going to notice when I say the word Moses, I'm going to interject also the word Joseph Smith. When I say the ancient Israelites, I'm going to say the Latter-day Saints in the days of Joseph Smith. So people can start to ask themselves, is this a fair comparison? Were the Latter-day Saints supposed to consider themselves in the same circumstances? Verse 23 of section 84. Now this Moses and Joseph Smith plainly taught to the children of Israel and the Latter-day Saints in his day in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify their people that they might behold the face of God. But they, the children of Israel anciently and the Latter-day Saints in the days of Joseph Smith, hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. Therefore, The Lord in his wrath, for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they, the ancient Israelites and the Latter-day Saints in the days of Joseph, should not enter into his rest, which is the fullness of his glory. And the Lord took Moses and Joseph Smith out of their midst, and the holy priesthood also, and the lesser priesthood continue, which priesthood holdeth the key of the ministering of angels. The Kirtland Temple was built so that the Latter-day Saints in mass would receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Rock on! And, and literally, be prepared to enter into the presence of the Lord. Well, the Latter-day Saints did not receive that blessing. Joseph Smith did, Oliver Cowdery, a hound full of others, became witnesses of the glorified, resurrected Jesus Christ, similar to, as described John in the, in the early chapters of the book of Revelation. But because the Latter-day Saints would not climb the mountain figurative, figuratively like the ancient Israelites in the days of Moses, they're demoted. Hey, You're not going to enter into the presence of the Lord. If you want the higher priesthood back, you have to finish the Nauvoo temple in the time that's been allotted to you. And I'm going to give you just one more scripture along those lines of losing the Melchizedek priesthood. Okay. And you tell tell me if this has ever been mentioned in an elders quorum. I'm going over to Doctrine and Covenants, section 124, verses 28 through 32. Now, this this is now 1838. 
They're established in Nauvoo. The Lord's given instructions. If you want the Melchizedek priesthood back, for there is not a place found on earth that he, the Lord, may come to restore again that which was lost unto you, or that which he hath taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. It was a foregone conclusion. You've already lost the fullness of the priesthood. I'm skipping forward to verse 32. Behold, at the end of this appointment to build the Nauvoo temple, your baptisms for your dead shall not be acceptable unto me. And if you Latter-day Saints do not these things at the end of the appointment I've given you, ye shall be rejected as a church with your dead, saith the Lord your God. After the assassination of Joseph Smith, Nauvoo Temple nowhere near completion in any form. The Latter-day Saints abandoned all the revelations regarding establishing the kingdom of God right then and there. The Nauvoo Temple is tried to be sold multiple times by Brigham Young. It gets burnt. And I think it even gets hit by a tornado. And the Latter-day Saints are now driven across to establish in the in the Utah Wasatch Mountains where I'm at right now. Yeah, but that in other also words, the, the Lord of, was true to his word that they lost the fullness of the priesthood and they were rejected as a church with their dead. That is certainly how you interpret that. Yeah, well, okay, well, that's well, I, guess what I, it I, I don't think that's I mean, what well, it's hold saying. On, I'm just, that, yeah, I, well, hold on. I'd love this to where that's how you interpret that. That's what it says. People can read that for themselves. Dude, you are Jeremy Reynolds <laughs> two You are Jeremy on, Reynolds two point bro. No, well, no, he's no. He's, 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 he's well, nice. how do you interpret it differently? <laughs> because I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt when I simply read the scriptures without my interpretation. That's your interpretations. You can read it for yourself. How do you interpret differently? that they lost the fullness of the priesthood. When you read those words, what does it say to you? That's a good question. How do you interpret it differently? I want to hear it. I haven't read those recently enough to give you a really solid answer right now. Because I'm looking at this. What? Have you ever read those? Yes. I've read all of the scriptures in their entirety. The Lord says that the Latter-day Saints have already lost the fullness of the priesthood. How do you interpret it? Well, well, hold on. I was was going to I want to hear it. Hold on. I want to hear this. Well, I was going to answer you my answer. I thought he said that he didn't have I want to hear his first. You say that's your interpretation. So what is yours? When the Lord says you've lost the fullness of the priesthood, what does it mean to you? Is that what the Lord said to those people at that time? I don't think so. You, you're putting in Joseph Smith and the Latter-day Saints when he's talking about Moses here. You're twisting the scriptures. Well, we just read in Doctrine and Covenants section 124 verses 28 through 32. I hope the audience presses pause and looks up, reads it for themselves right now. In 1838, when the Lord says to the Latter-day Saints who are dragging their feet to complete the Nauvoo Temple, if you don't finish, you're rejected as a church with your dead. What does that mean to you? Uh, if I were, if I were Again, I'll gladly talk with you more about this once I have right, a chance to go right, and read it. It's incredibly arrogant when you just say, um... Uh, that's how you interpret it. That is an arrogant prick move. Oh, wow! Savage. It is. Thanks, it Jacob. Is. Hey, hey, no, it, I'm, it, I'm, I'm really on. feeling, I'm really <laughs> feeling the spirit real strongly from you right now. I'm sure that you're not driven by on, any dark, on, hold dark hold on, thing right there. Hold on, chill out, Brad. Jacob, hold you got, hold on. You got to be kidding hold me. On, it's my, my show. Yeah, I know it's I'm your still show. Trying to wrap my head around. This, I, I am okay? too. I'm trying to understand him, and I'm telling him, look, you're putting all of these meanings into and the what scriptures. I'm asking your interpretation. Saying, oh, okay. it's nothing. And I'm saying, I'm gonna go look it up, and we can talk about it later, okay. bro. I hope at length. Let's have it. Let's have a fun Hold one. Hold on. I got the button. I got the button. Go for it, Cardin. Okay. Don't want to use the button, but I got it. Okay. So first off, to me, there's a very softball answer to that saying the fullness is taken away. Uh, Okay, there's tons of scriptures that say, you know, if you're not doing A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, amen to the priest or that man. Doesn't mean he loses it forever. You know what I'm saying? Um, there, there's, there's 
all kinds of ways that you could say, okay, I, I interpret that a little bit more lightly. And I'm sometimes a little bit worried about um, arguments that depend upon one scripture and the interpretation thereof, because then you kind of get in hazy waters like Catholics saying, okay, the rock upon which this church is founded was St. Peter. And then we say, well, it was actually revelation. And then it kind of requires a breadth of knowledge of all the scriptures pointing towards one way to kind of understand what God was saying. Right? So I accept that you want to say, okay, cool. They didn't build the Nauvoo temple. So their church and their dead were rejected. Fine. That if, if that's that's what you read into it, awesome. I'm actually not here to say that you're wrong. I look at that and I think, man, that's a harsh God. Yeah, They were experiencing wild persecution that was not of any of their doing. And despite their sacrifice bigger than most saints in most dispensations, except for maybe the earliest saints in the early church, they were still building it while you know, making such great Africa, it's difficult for me to swallow the interpretation of a God that would say them and their dead are rejected because they didn't yeah. build the temple on time while being actively persecuted and killed by the mob while simultaneously trying to do their best efforts because that goes against the doctrine of redemption and this idea that God's grace makes up for us as long as we're doing all that we can do. I, I feel that as Nephi said, that God's grace kicks in once we can do all that we can do. Those early saints were, were doing all they could do, brother. I, 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 I don't know. That what, seems too Lord, harsh the to Lord be being unfair to them? I'm sorry. Uh, Zoom cut out. What'd you well, say? But was the Lord being unfair to them? Because here's what we read in section 124. It's 1838. Uh -huh. There's no mobs at the door. Why do you think the Lord gave them such a specific time frame and says, if you don't finish it in this time, you're rejected as a church with your dead? Why did he say that? Uh, I, I would assume that one would think he knew the persecutions and those burnings and those invasions were, were, were coming is what you're suggesting, I assume, right? Uh, no. Okay. In other words, the way that we portray the persecutions of the Latter-day Saints in the days of Nauvoo, there was no armies that were coming in there to invade them. What there is is plenty of documentation of diverting funds to different projects aside from the Navo Temple. There was land speculation among those who were in charge of church funds to where it's no longer being used for church purposes, but to buy up lands and make a bunch of uh, personal profit. The Lord's now saying, if you want to waste your time on these other things and not get my house built, you're going to be rejected as a church with your dead. They were being told, you've already lost the fullness of the priesthood. If you want to progress on to being rejected as a church with your dead, keep going the route that you're going because I'm giving you sufficient time to build the house that I've commanded you to build. So okay, I mean, I can, fair enough. That sounds like God in the deserts during the 40 days of Exodus, right? Quaku? So if I can interject. Um, so when you're saying that God rejected the church and they're dead, yeah. do you mean an ultimate rejection? Yeah. Well, like here's, a, like no the, celestial kingdom? Because – what, let me let me go back to this question. Did God reject them as a church with their dead, no celestial kingdom? Yeah. Yes. Now, isn't that God kind of Calvinist? Like, well, I, I don't know anything about I've only heard him mention. I can't speak on behalf of Calvin. But let me mention this. The primary ordinance that holders of the Melchizedek priesthood, that, that first order held by the apostles, I've, I've heard it referred to as the apostolic order, of the Melchizedek priesthood. 
they having power in the Melchizedek priesthood, they would give the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is not some eight or nine year old or recent convert who's being told you're now confirmed a member of the church, receive a Holy Ghost. And let me okay. say some nice things in a public setting. Okay. When it happened, it was such an overwhelming spiritual event that it changed somebody. When somebody receives the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, it rips out their desire to sin. They can prophesy of all things. They hear the voice of Jesus Christ now speak to them to a level where they're ready to take that next step up the ascension ladder. That has been lost since the days of Joseph Smith. We now say, hello, eight-year-old or recent convert. In a public setting, we're going to give reverent words and say, receive the Holy Ghost. It's okay, nice well, things. I, I, I don't, yeah. I, and I don't I, want to I, talk I, bad about I, it. I just, I just, I just let, let me say, make this last point. Let yeah. me make this last point. That right there, what I'm describing, is not the Melchizedek priesthood in action. That is not the bestowal of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so here's I, my. Let, 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 here I'll go. And I, I, I can go. Okay, I've got a. I look at questions. that and I think, okay, we well, could kind of say that a bit about America, and isn't that the pride cycle? as determined in the Book of Mormon, because like I'm just coming at you with Book of Mormon scriptures here. Book of Mormon was revolutionary. Let me finish. Book of Mormon was revolutionary because it says, okay, the son is not responsible for the sins of the father. It inherently takes a lot of the traditional Christian conception of generational curses, uh, sons bearing the the guilt and the sin of their fathers, turns it on its head, said Adam fell that men might be, men are that they might have joy, and categorically rejects this idea that Others are responsible for the sins of their fathers. So if you're saying that the church comes in and is rejected with their dead, that would mean that the salvation of those dead would be dependent upon others, the living, which seems like it would go against that idea that we're not held responsible for our own sins, that our salvation is inherently tied to others, right? There's a clear pattern for it. In I, other no, words, and I get they, God can be a harsh yeah. God. I read the Old Testament. Yeah, well, in, so. in other words, I mean, the ancient Israelites went through it when they wouldn't climb the mountain for themselves to enter into the rest of the Lord. Okay. You're demoted. Aaronic priesthood only. You're going to go however many generations in this demoted state, still being a covenant people with great blessings waiting for you. But they didn't have the Melchizedek priesthood, no baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And it has continued for however many generations. So now. then that doesn't necessarily make you. It's, it's people rejecting too... God. In other words, that th- yeah. those higher ordinances are reserved for people who accept the fullness of the gospel, not for those who reject it and turn it into polygamy. Uh, okay. So and, uh, and now the polygamy has gone. Okay, are, are we just still by just, default in apostasy? Well, in other words, probably the here's what I would liken it unto the circumstances in the very first chapter of the book of Mormon. You okay. got millions of covenant people of the Lord. The temple is in the heart of the city with sacrifices happening day and night. The church leaders in the days of Jeremiah and Lehi are the most respected and powerful men of the whole city. There's a great history of prophets and prophesying. There's a long history of God intervening miraculously on their behalf. And yet they're about to be destroyed for their wickedness. What? We all went to church on Sunday. I went to my elders quorum meeting and I, and I sat through a, a bishop's council and everything else. Yeah, it's a pride cycle. Tough yeah, times it, make tough In other people, words, people, people can it. be incredibly religious and even say, I can point to all of these outward observances to prove my righteousness. And yet they're about to be destroyed. The Latter-day Saints are in those circumstances exactly right now because they have changed the new and everlasting covenant of offering God your broken heart spirit into polygamy. Now they've walked it back to just temple marriage. That is not the covenant that Jesus asks can, of us. Can I, I, I there's a okay. couple of questions I need to ask. I haven't gotten to talk a lot here. Sure. Um, so, uh, uh, 
first question is, um, I can I can see them being rejected, um, you know, for not building the temple. I, I can see that. Um, but they're dead being rejected also. Is that, that I, I'm not, I think Cardin asked that, but I'm not sure if that was addressed. Yeah, that would inherently make the dead um, responsible for the sins do you of others. Do, and do you believe then, just so we're clear, because these terms are, can be open-ended, right? So yeah. when we say them and their dead were rejected, are you saying that they were rejected eternally, will never be in the celestial kingdom, or they were rejected as a part of being a major tool to build the kingdom of God at the time? Well, they're definitely rejected as a time. Let me uh, let me point out some ignorance that I have. That term rejected with your dead is most commonly interpreted as uh, the baptisms on behalf of deceased people in the temple are going to be rejected also. That's possibly. There's not much that we have from Joseph Smith, and there's people's interpretation years after him saying that's what it was. It, I simply offer as my opinion and speculation. The term rejected with your dead is referring to the spiritually dead that now were now being baptized in a higher order in the temple in Kirtland and later for what was meant to be happening in Nauvoo as well. So, so it's speculation on my part, and I'm gonna, and I'm pointing it out as that so you know that I'm not trying to teach any sort of new doctrine. No, no, yeah. I just want – there's a lot of questions I have that are kind of those specific, so I kind of yeah. want to get into – um, because the comments are going to are going to point these out, and if we don't point them out, yeah. the comments. Well, and and, and so, I try to be quick about pointing out when I'm speculating. Other things right. I think are firmly established in, in the scriptures. So, um, so I would I would kind of take that as rejecting them with their dead, meaning perhaps the ordinances, like the actual performing the ordinances. I'm not accepting that ordinance practice right now, as yeah. opposed to. I'm rejecting those dead children. Yeah. In other words, those who are worthy to be able to perform that ordinance being referred to, whatever the specifics may be, the Lord is saying, I will have none of it from you. Okay, so I want to step back um, from the individual trees and take Wait, a look one at this more, One more, I have one more. Okay. Sorry, um, yeah. I like Quaku's um, questions the best. So, Let him go. Quaku? Uh, <laughs> Quaku. Quaku, okay. you're Quaku now, and I'm going to put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> um, I'm going to profit off of you. So uh, the... Um, what... what this kind of also suggests that the church was rejected yeah. about a decade before Joseph Smith was assassinated. Yes. So it now, was a fallen church right, right. for that. Yeah. Period. And here's some, here's some things on it. Like I'll send plenty of things your way if you ever want to have a follow-up conversation. But the uh, 1835 edition of the Doctrine of Covenants is published by the, well, first let me point this out. The original name of the church, three words, Church of Christ. And it's consistent with 3 Nephi 27 to where it is my church if it is in my name, built on my gospel. Because the Latter-day Saints in 1834 were no longer built upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, they wouldn't enter into the rest of the Lord in Kirtland. Now they're demoted to the Church of the Latter-day Saints. The uh, the uh, Kirtland Temple, which is still up there today, you can look up the Google image search. If you just type in Kirtland Temple, one of the first images that pops up is built by the Church of the Latter-day Saints. They did not have authorization to claim to be Jesus Christ Church. The Nauvoo Temple was commanded of them that they might be risen up to that higher level and once again be Jesus Christ Church. Okay. So, so was Joseph a fallen prophet at the time of ooh, his assassination? No. Joseph was, was similar into the circumstances of Moses to where he had climbed the mountain. He knew God for himself. That's why he taught so openly regarding the second comforter and having one's calling and election make sure. There were a handful of people that that we know of, others maybe speculate, who followed and received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, the way that the scriptures teach, who continued to hear the voice of Jesus Christ and follow it until they became witnesses of Jesus Christ, and then continue on until Jesus presented them to the Father. As Joseph was teaching that, 
more frequently, it is now the last part of his life before he's assassinated. That pure, plain doctrine of Christ of baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, second comforter with Jesus Christ, and follow Jesus until he presents you to the Father, that has been lost since then. Um, okay, and one more. Sorry, Cardin. Okay, uh, hit it. Um, uh, well, don't also, apologize. You well, take also, it quick. Kweku, you take it and don't apologize. No, also, it's, it's, this, is a new, this is a new like movement, so we're trying to figure out what exactly the beliefs are, right? Yeah. So, You're going to find out. So, um, General Conference has been starting off trying to respond to this. There's training that stake presidents and bishops are receiving. Like, I, I could give you more insider well, well, information. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like, well, so are you a separate church? No, or, and see, and, and I, well, because you're all excommunicated that are making the videos. Well, I noticed. I would say the majority of people are active members of the church. I regularly work with people who are Rock either on. current bishops or in bishoprics. Some people in stake presidencies, others who are others who are leaders of congregations in different countries. There is an awakening happening in the church, and it is. I don't want to say big, but like any member of the church who is actively offering this prayer, Heavenly Father. If you give me instructions, I covenant to follow it no matter what. They start to receive experiences that rip their eyelids off. For um, some people, it, it is it is incredibly painful. For others, they realize this is what I've asked for. My my life finally feels turned right side up. Okay, so, but so, it is a re- it is a repentance process that is happening. So this last question I have before on, on the on this subject this of rejecting like the dead. Third last question. They, <laughs> so I, I have I usually talk a lot, but I haven't because I'm just kind of listening. Do it. So, Do it. Um, so can um, would this also mean that you guys reject eternal marriage in heaven? Well, the idea of of marriage the way that the church teaches it just doesn't have any scriptural foundation, um, and it is what is now the temple has now been changed into. If anybody wants to look up the changes over the generations in the temple, it has been reduced so dramatically um, to where now the wording at certain parts is in the new and everlasting covenant referring to marriage, to where they still have that fundamental that core rejection of the new and everlasting covenant by calling it marriage. Um, it has been an incredibly effective tool in making people fearful of looking for any information outside of the corporate church. So, no, I don't believe that temple marriage as practiced by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has a shred of validity to it. Well, so, I mean, uh, so are you married? Well, Jacob? I think Do- saying it doesn't have a shred yeah. is a little well, bit. Wait, 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 maybe there, me, maybe there's clarify, some foundation. No, be, be careful. Like, he'll he'll tell tr- you that you're just yeah. an arrogant prick if <laughs> uh, you disagree yeah. with well, him. Remember this. You and I, and, and let me, let me say this, Brad. You and I need to have chicken wings together because I'll make up for that. Please, please be... Uh, <laughs> Patient with me as I as I give a jab or two. I'll do my best to be patient with you too. But I I, I want to get across to you. I'm I'm just saying, just saying from what I watched of the movie that you guys produced and what I'm hearing from you now. We haven't even gotten into the movie yet. Yeah, I know. Can I ask one? Okay, fine. We can go to that. One more question on the subject because I I, okay. We got to get the specific. So. Are you're are you mar- you're married, Jacob? Right? Yeah, three kids. Okay. Do you believe married you'll, in the temple? Do you believe you'll be married, like ha- have a romantic, eternal relationship with your wife? Well, possibly. In, in other words, I I used to when I was I, I went through a divorce in my twenties. So here's there's something for you. Married in the temple to the state president's daughter, and when she left me, ripped my that guts was your first out. First mistake. It, it, I did it too, bro. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, in other words, we're awesome. It, 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 it took it took me through some of the pain that was required of me in this life, and it caused me to draw closer to the Lord. But my my concept was getting married at age twenty two, not not even home for a whole year from my mission yet. My concept was, bam! 
I'm on the track to the celestial kingdom right now, going to have this wonderful woman right here by my side. My understanding since having this spiritual awakening, because it has been an explosion of faith, dedication to the Lord, and meaningful missionary experiences and ministerial opportunities like I've never experienced. I don't have the same view that because of the ordinance that took place there, it's going to be a similar sort of celestial version of the relationship that I have here. Knowing that God respects agency, if people don't exercise the agency to like be sealed to each other in this life the way that they're meant to, well, why would there be that kind of partnership afterwards? So I do believe it's something that's available, but I don't believe it's contingent upon what the LDS church does in the temple. Okay. 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 Now, who, Brad, you had a you had a question, right? You wanted to. Oh no! Let Cardin finish it. <laughs> um. Well, now I'm on my like my seventh question that I wanted yeah. to ask. You know what I'm saying? But I hope you're writing these down in notes. <laughs> yeah. It's like okay. So, but this is me... the first podcast we've done where we're interviewing someone where I haven't been bored. Like, yeah. like I some <laughs> good, no no good. like this is and it's good should. because ask here's your the deal. Audience, if they feel the same way, if they're having, I don't fun have with a shred. Thing. I'm ne- sometimes because here's more. the deal. We're we're very used to hearing stuff about like general attacks against the church. In fact, most of the time, pri- trying to attack us because Joseph Smith was a polygamist, right? And um, all sorts of attacks around the church, the Book of Mormon, evidence of the Book of Mormon, things like that. So to well, get real hyper specific into the doctrine and covenants like this is new. It's well, it's and probably also good. To me, I got to tell you, this is something that could only exist in Utah because only in Utah, where there's so many freaking Mormons, could people dice and and get into the nitty gritty of whether or not we were nitty gritty enough. You'd be outside, dude, go, go to church in Manhattan. You're all just happy to be there because it's godless Babylon outside. <laughs> you know, and, and we don't have these factional Everybody just wars. Hugs each other, like thank you for no. Seriously, here. church in New York and Los Angeles is totally different. Because like when it's raining outside, you don't care what color the person's umbrella is that they're handing to you. Yeah. But when it's dry outside, y'all start arguing about the colors of umbrellas. So look, you got your history of who shot Joseph Smith. At the end of the day, I don't think God's going to be quizzing us on who jo- shot Joseph Smith. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be quizzing us. It on, only matters if we, that's our stumbling block. Did, did we repent and did we forgive? Yeah. yeah well, my, my, that's it, see, that's hold, an interesting hold, point. Hold on a mother freaking second. I let you guys ask endless questions. <laughs> after the moment swear words questions. out of him. Do it again. No. So anyway, um, is it possible? You've suggested multiple times stumbling box. Is it possible? that your interpretation of these historical references, which get very dicey, if you wanted to look up the history of us making it to the moon landing, you could be convinced that that one rock that had Studio 55 on it is proof that that rock was actually rented from, uh, you know, the the studio they shot the moon landing on. I I mean, I've got got good friends that I consider good men of God who believe that the earth is flat. No, no. Okay. Rock on. (laughs) That's cool. Um, we want to interview them too. I thought I was the conspiracy. Guy. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm a fraud. Okay, way, I'm it's a fraud. not flat. We all know that it's like a pancake, multiple discs okay. on top of each other. Keep going. With, keep but going with anyway, your thought. So my question was: Is it possible that maybe the alternate interpretation of history, other than the traditional narrative you've been taught, can become a stumbling block for you guys as well? Because it seems like a lot of these leaders, it's resulted in such conflict that it's resulted in mis- uh, excommunication, yeah. divorces. Dude, the, the corporation loves to excommunicate. They freaking love it. Um, uh, let, let, let me, well, let me start to answer this. In other words, could it be a stumbling process that's run by local leadership 
yeah. not the corporation. I'm, I'm and, sure. And some so of tell them are me again about the blue lens. Some of them are boneheads, no. but at the end of the day, I push back from this idea that oh, the corporation loves to excommunicate it because it's, nobody makes money. <laughs> so on there this was a, the, the multimillionaire Jeremy R. Yagi is the one who inserted himself to pressure my stake president. Yeah, at the local level. Uh, yeah, that Jeremy. I, so we're gonna get him on the show. What up, him. Jeremy? I'd love to talk You're to him. I've actually you. reached no, out to him, <laughs> trying to get some chicken wings with him as well. Uh, your question: Can the alternative version of history be a stumbling block? Yes, of course. I view it regularly. In other words, even though I had, I had in January of 2020, I've, I have alluded to it before, and I'm just going to say it incredibly briefly. I had a baptism of fire experience, and I didn't know what it was because I'd never experienced anything like that, where burst out my heart through the ends of my arms, through my beard hairs, my fingertips, and everything else, right, and right, my right. desire to sin was gone absolutely gone and i'm a good dude by the standards of the world like say like hey any worldly standards jacob's a good dude my desire to sin ripped away the beautiful natural curvature of ladies no longer in my mind of any time i spend a grand total of zero minutes wasting time on youtube following the news cycle watching guitar videos or anything else and i had four consecutive days of hearing the voice of the lord okay normally when i ask a prayer in my heart and in my mind, I fe might feel some confirmation of this or feel good about this, but I mainly have to say, Heavenly Father, I think it's the right thing is this. Those four days, instant, it, it, beyond gratifying recognition that the Lord was telling me, yes, no, yes, no, guiding yeah. my every action. Now, even though I had that baptism of fire experience and it's life changing, I weep still. Like I'm a, I, I will get on the verge of tears and start weeping if I start contemplating what it was like when that went away. Now, the alternate history, can it be a stumbling block? Yes. I still regularly present my heart and mind to my Heavenly Father. Hey, Heavenly Father, thank you for guiding me this far. I'm grateful for the spiritual experiences that have happened. If I'm on the wrong path, please, I beg of you, show me. Put me on the right path. And as I keep that level of humility to where I'm still willing to have my world turned upside down or turned right side up, however you want to look at it, that's the only way that I feel safe continuing moving forward is having that level of humility okay so then two questions here first off people that are adopting your worldview or your historical historic view of who shot joseph smith and so on and so forth what do you ask your adherents to do shall we say the people i don't have an adherent and i don't know anybody in the group who wants an adherent it is exclusively repent and return to christ because I, I know we want to word but, but it there's in a way an where insinuation like there, there's a new though. organization trying to get recruits but it's like to, if there's anybody like that like if there's anybody in the doctrine of christ group loosely okay. affiliated or or closely affiliated if they believe they're meant to get adherents to hell with you guys okay so so what are you guys then? You're not repenting or returning to Christ. In other words, the call that happened in the very first chapter of the Book of Mormon to repent and return or else we're going to be destroyed, that's the call going out again right now. Um, okay. In other words, one one of the specifics that's well, it's that kind is, of always so going out, who, but you guys yeah, are who are the prophets? The and, who are and the let, prophets let me, that are telling us well, that this it, is the timing, the timeline that's happening? Oh, that, that's I, I my curiosity. I don't know of anybody along those lines to where they've been called into the presence of the Lord, like Lehi of old and Jeremiah of old. And now they're going out and saying that the, what I feel on a personal level, and I recognize a, a spiritual mandate is to teach the message of the Book of Mormon to where we have to turn our hearts to God. 
for example, let me just do a 45 second or less version of Isaiah chapter one. Keep in well, mind. Okay, but before you get into that, and, and I, and I want to let you do that. And I know we're I jumping around, know but it's more fun. If, if you're saying, you're, <laughs> so you're saying though that, okay, we lost the Melchizedek priesthood. Yeah. The, 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 the dead were not redeemed. We're in this period of uh, apostasy right now. Yeah. Wasn't the guarantee to Joseph Smith in the Doctrine and Covenants? that he received the priesthood and it never again would be taken in from the earth well, until Jesus close. Christ came. Joseph Smith was told that he would never lose the keys. That's something very different. So Joseph was killed and he'll be back and the, and it will be unmistakable when that end time exodus happens. There will be, in other you words, You seem like about, you know what scripture I'm referring to. Which one is it, my man? Oh, I, I can't remember the section okay, that, okay, that, that it's referring to. But, but in other words, if somebody does in their digital application, uh, never lose the keys it will be pulling that up in the doctrine of covenants um so does this also mean that you reject doctrine covenants 138 joseph f smith's vision of the spirit world it, it i believe it it really is what it is in other words i believe that uh, joseph f smith is very sincere in retelling what we have that now as doctrine and covenant section 138 i believe he was honest what i know of joseph f smith the son of hiram the nephew of joseph smith he manifested great spiritual gifts in his youth and in his teenage years, and by the time he was now in top church leadership in, in Utah, those spiritual gifts were completely absent. When he was called before Congress to answer questions about polygamy, it, it, was, it was embarrassing for the church. It was reported as embarrassing for the church um, in the Utah outlets as well as other places reporting on it. Um, but, but I believe isn't really the Israelites did, getting that, stuck for 40 years in the wilderness embarrassing for the church? So like there's, I said, aren't the Israelites being stuck for 40 years in the wilderness after being God's covenant people and being saved by Moses himself? Well, that's embarrassing just because a church on a large scale went through an embarrassing time. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily inherently proof well, that they has lost there been it any, all, right? Does the church have need to repent of its polygamous history, and has that happened? Does the church have need? Uh, do, are you uh, saying church big? Tr yeah. In other words, I'm asking: um, Does the church have need to repent? May of I, their I, may of I answer your question oh, with a question? A, that's a good question. Oh, um, you're doing the answer the question with a question. No, no, thing? it's legit because okay. uh, um, I'm, I'm not. It's not a gotcha. Uh, would that actually matter if the church has already rejected? before polygamy yeah with so the, it doesn't matter in other temple, words right? for me right. even though i like these questions yeah none of it matters the only thing that matters right now is learning from personal revelation how to offer god your broken heart and contrite spirit it literally only happens oh. when somebody says heavenly father you have to teach uh, me what you want okay and but i promise also, to give it but john taylor wilford woodruff killing joseph smith that that's kind of a big, you know. Yeah. So, so the only thing that matters. That's to me. That would be a sorry. Yeah. To me, that's like a. Let me big, give one big, for big. people to start musing over. Here's some of the wounds that are on Hiram's body that cause that, that make it very well, obvious. We could get into the forensics later. Like, and yeah, that, we that could be its own movie. podcast. I'm down with. I, I'm just trying to wrap my 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 head around the morality of this. Yes. Um, only because I guess now what I'm asking is, well, where does this go? 
Because, for example, if I were your stake president or whatever, and somebody said, yo, dude, there's this guy that's like, you know, convinced that Joseph Smith really wasn't down with polygamy. I'd be like, okay, well, I mean, there's multiple times he said he didn't like the idea, but he was commanded. So fine. That doesn't seem too far off based. Oh, and he's suggesting that there's an alternate version of who killed Joseph Smith. Okay, well, there's also an alternate version of 17 different histories. Okay, is he cheating on his wife? No. Okay, is he reading his scriptures daily? Yeah, okay, whatever. Like... I, I, I view it as kind of teaching. I, I hate to say it, but it's kind of a nothing burger. Like, okay, it's a controversial nothing uh, burger until it comes. Until it becomes what? Because if you guys are all getting excommunicated, it's got to be for something. And it yeah. seems like your interpretation of history requires. And tell me if I'm interpreting this wrong. It seems like your 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 newfound interpretation of the doctrine, and covenants, and, and the history of the church requires that we no longer think that modern prophets have any validity. Who's, who's this modern prophet you speak of? Ah, Russell M. Nelson. Because? Uh, what we would consider the line of authority because prophets yeah. won't be taken. But, but you notice that you're not referring to him prophesying. You're just simply saying line of authority because that's the corporate narrative. Prophets prophesy the same way musicians make music. Uh, yes, I agree with you. I will say, though, I think the deference to the authoritative argument and what you know philosophers call certification by authority, okay, or an argument by authority, is the one that that's that's the one that's most worldwide understood. Appeals to authority are the easiest to understand. I yeah. could say, well, actually, pre-pandemic, he had this awesome idea that we should actually have church from home, which at that point was oh. revolutionary for us, and then it oh. ended up being a really, really good thing, even though the pandemic was locking us all down. And so I could do that laborious one, or I could just describe okay. that, okay, God gave the priesthood, well, priesthood here, has authority, Here's the very first authority. chapter of the Book of Mormon. Lehi's called into the presence of the Lord and now has authority to say, if you guys don't repent, you're going to suffer the the destruction that I read about when I was caught away in the spirit and received this message. Lehi taught what he saw and heard. Here is an established okay. fact. President Nelson has never published a prophecy in his entire life. Here is an established fact. He has never testified of any direct encounter with Jesus Christ. Okay, but we also so based have... upon what is he a prophet? He oh, okay. testifies of Christ but all the time. Has... So does Joel Austin and the Pope. Yeah, no, I get that. But also, I mean, in his last conference, Wait, what's talk, distinguishing for example, about him? What definition of a prophet would not equally apply to people who follow their uh, their Christian religious leader? That, that's the, a good question. The, the line of authority that Cardin was yeah. talking about, and that that's through why Smith that is through the restoration. When that right. becomes the foundation of him being a prophet. That's why he falls apart upon examination. Uh, okay, I, I just want to say though, to me that seems like a really really difficult and. Un, I don't want to say untheological, but yeah. un, I don't want to say unattainable, but that's not the bar that I think God requires because if every single God had to be revolutionary, his children would be burnt out. <laughs> it, I mean, there were Sam's Nephi had a younger brother, Sam, Sam got to see an angel just like Nephi did. Sam witnessed all of the miracles and all of the visions. He doesn't get a lot of pub. Because, you know, he wasn't Nephi. Well, let, let me let me make it simpler. Is President Nelson a prophet the same way that Joseph Smith is? And why? Yes and no. I would say having the authority and the priesthood from God, yes. Really? Because yeah. there's a story saying, because I'm president of the corporation, well, there's an finish. unbroken line. Okay. But, you put words yeah, I'm, I'm sorry finish. for interrupting, but I'm really trying to get to what's the same yeah. that makes him a prophet? So I would say because God 
wants prophets in his church and reserves that as a position for when he wants to speak to his people. So I think there's part of the prophet is being ready in waiting, waiting upon the Lord for direction and diction. So I think that just because you're not actively receiving a revelation and publishing them once every three weeks, like Joseph Smith was, just because you are in waiting for that, just like we have lawyers on retainer, I think having prophets on retainer is not evidence of the lack of their propheticness as much as it is evidence that God cares for his sheep and his people. Can, can I ask one and see who wants to answer it? Well, Children. and then I was gonna I was gonna answer the second half. Your oh, I, I know, I know, but you're you're going on lawyerly, and I think it's much more simple than this. Okay. Children okay. that are being raised in the church, can they obtain a salvific relationship of Jesus Christ without believing that President Nelson is a prophet? Can children who are raised in our church, yeah. children in the church right now, can they obtain a saving that. relationship with Jesus Christ if they don't believe that President Nelson is a prophet? Uh, to me, I think the closer you get, it's like a triangle. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to. I, I, Anybody else? I guess in theory that, you could, but that's kind of like when people say like, well, the closer you get to your church the you know it takes more time away from your family well I, I think the more that you're studying the ways of god the closer you actually get to your family it's like a triangle so um take that one who wants to take that one Can I, I, I don't know i think church? that's a really i think it's just a kind of a bad question sorry well, to say that give it a, but give like it a try try I, to explain that one so can here, somebody uh, be saved through jesus christ think about anybody in the church can they obtain salvation through jesus christ if they do not believe that president nelson is a prophet Start with a yes or no and then explain. I would say yes. I would say yes. Because I know for a fact that God grades on a curve. Nobody on this earth is perfect. Okay. So in and other it, words, believing that he's a prophet gets you closer to perfection? Uh, no, no. I'm saying that let's just say there really were 10 temple, temple recommend questions to get into heaven. Ain't nobody actually really answering nine out of 10 of them. I think you're holy if you're answering eight out of 10 of them. Okay. And I think God knows that. And the gospel takes bad men and makes them good and good men and makes them better, but it doesn't make anybody perfect. So just like in college, if the highest score gets a 93 and the professor bumps, you know, the curve down to 93, I think God does that. So I think there could be kids if they had such a great experience like you did. And this is why I said, like, I wouldn't excommunicate you for these ideas. If if this is what's making you, if on you were fire, protecting the corporation, you would. Yeah, well, then those people are wrong. And they're and, and dude, when you say stuff no like that, you just sound. Yeah, you, you sound like ex Mormon subreddit. Yeah, you do sound like. But at least you still have yeah, a except, relationship with Jesus, except, which I appreciate. I believe that Jesus Christ yeah. is absolutely alive and leading people to Him, and it does not require a relationship with the with the president of the corporation. So, so here's words, my question he has, then: President do Nelson you, did not perform an atonement for anybody. There is no opinion that's. And required. he's never said that he has. I'm curious. Do you, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. What but what separates you, you from born again Christians? I'm just curious. What separates you from born again Christians? Though, finish. hold on. Let, let, let's think about this for a moment. If you were a bishop or a branch president interviewing a potential baptismal candidate, and they exercised miraculous faith in Jesus Christ, overcame addictions, and changed their life, they want to get baptized, ready to pay tithing, but they're asked. Do you believe that he's a prophet, seer, and a revelator? Well, I don't know about that because I've been reading the scriptures and he doesn't seem the same. If it's a fundamental anybody would be denied baptism into the corporation based upon their opinion of President Nelson. So that's a sure sign that the that wait, wait, but hold on, hold on. I I want to answer your question. Yeah. 
I don't think they would want to get baptized in our church if they didn't yeah. see the value of the restoration of the priesthood and modern day prophets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, I would agree with that because that's that's really what the church sells over and over and over again is an unbroken line of succession. Don't, Please don't, don't like ask it. us where I, the prophecy is. I don't like the is. verbiage of selling. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't sell anything on well, my mission. I paid for What percentage mission. of mission presidents do you believe have a sales background, uh, a formidable Most sales of them are background. stupid boomers. So I'm sorry. Did I say stupid? <laughs> most of them are boomers. <laughs> and, so in other words, I use the term with, selling because it's accurate. Uh, uh, okay. To some. I wouldn't say so. Well, out of out of the dozens of mission presidents that I know of, 100% of them. Okay, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go Brad on you, but I will say that I draw a line at saying selling, because I view it as disrespectful to people who are wholly decent doing it for wholly benevolent actions. I, I believe that. And then I'll so, take it back, and I will apologize for that characterization. Okay. So, um, I, I'm down with everything you say, but this is my only worry. Oftentimes, movements for things. And it seems like a lot of what you said, I actually like, you know, movement for, hey, let's get that birth of baptism by fire. That's lacking. And I, I agree with you. I think it is. Lacking. Not only that, there's no salvation without it. If you believe exactly. No, no if you believe it. that, hey, because so, somebody put their hands on my I, head, I get it. Like, I, I get not going to do it. So, so there's a lot of things that I like. And it seems like what I like that I'm hearing is, OK, let's get that baptism by fire. Oh, hey you know what, we're getting lost in the minutiae of the uh, everlasting covenant. You know, let's go back to basics because the basics are good. And the beginning of the everlasting covenant is getting sealed to Christ and giving him your heart, mind, and strength. Like, I get all of that. However, just like movements for things, like those good things I just mentioned, can start as movement for things, they quickly atrophy into movements against things. And so it seems like all of these fours I agree with, but then it rounds a corner where all of a sudden I'm getting told that I'm selling something, defending a corporation. And it quickly seems like your movement has become against what you perceive is a corporatized church. In other words, the the corporation known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not recognized by the Savior Jesus Christ as his institution. Okay, awesome. Um, that, though, is an anti-movement, not a movement. Well, it might be anti to the corporation. It's very pro-Christ. Okay, but also the guys that, like, home wreck for profit over the Open Stories Foundation, like, What's give that? us those exact same, like, Mormon Stories podcasts and stuff. Uh, okay. They say, I, I oh, we're really pro-family. That's why we tell men to go get divorced from their wives that are TBMs. Yeah, and, and, and I don't, and I don't really care about them. In, in other words... It, hopefully you're getting from me to where it is all about obtaining an actual saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That part I'm down with. Yeah. So when it so, comes to, uh, can we yeah, get back ahead. to my but question does your doctrine on require, this is my last question that you guys can have. have okay. at it. Is it a requirement? You asked, is it a requirement to have a salvific relationship? Yeah. Can somebody Christ? have a salvific relationship with Jesus Christ absent any testimony of president? Okay. Nelson? Is it a requirement of your belief structure? I won't say theology because you don't say you're a church, but is your schema of beliefs, does your schema of beliefs require that a child in our church reject the idea of modern prophets? No, it's it's not about rejecting anything else. Then why can't we say that? Yeah. Well, in other words, here's the way that, that I recognize it. Okay. The gospel is by design so simple 
that the ignorant, illiterate people throughout the generations, because we're in an incredibly blessed generation right now where it's kind of taken for granted that you know how to read and write and you've been taken through some some basic logic training and you can be held accountable greater for it than in any generation past in the red states. But yeah, but the gospel <laughs> is designed in a way to where my sweet, ignorant and previously illiterate Mexican grandma, she can hear the gospel taught in its purity and know how to offer God her broken heart and contrite spirit in a way to where she's baptized by fire and by the Holy ghost is sealed as a daughter of Christ and now has greater access to the spirit. And it had nothing to do with any belief in any corporate structure at all. So, so again, my question, what separates you from born again movements? Just general born again Christianity. They exactly what you're talking about, where you have a salvific experience. Like I am, you're baptized by fire. That's all that matters. There's no priesthood authority given to men through god like what what about the restoration of the priesthood i I very much believe in priesthood authority and i very much believe in priesthood authority at least in principle the way that the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints teaches it the experience that i went through beginning december of, of 2019 and it was actually months leading up to that i didn't recognize it at the time it was circumstances by which i had power in the ironic priesthood sealed upon me I didn't recognize it at the time. It was the things that I wrote in my journal leading up to it, impressions that I was receiving. It was the event culminating in that baptism of fire experience and recognizing how one actively calls upon the administration of angels using the Aaronic priesthood. So you believe the church still has the keys for the yes. Uh, in other words, Aaronic every, priesthood. In other words, the male members of the church who have gone through it. They legitimately have been ordained to the Aaronic priesthood, and there is a testing period that they can invite to happen in their lives by which they will have power in the Aaronic priesthood sealed upon them, and they will be instructed how to exercise the keys for the ministering of angels. And the Melchizedek priesthood, though, has been taken. Yeah, they from haven't the had it since the 1830s. Um, not even Joseph Smith. Okay, l- Joseph Smith certainly did. He did not. Lo- he did not lose it. Neither did Oliver Cowdery and a handful of others who were described. The, the term that was used in those days is the Holy Order. There was a handful of men who were faithful to enter into the presence of the Lord and receive the instruction that comes directly from the Savior. They did not lose it, but the body of the church in general did. Uh, this might. This question might be too complicated. It might have to be a separate podcast. I, I was about to say we're, we're uh, uh-huh. okay. So we're. <laughs> We're probably going to have to invite him back. It's already been. I hope I've made it worth your while. Yeah, and I'm, no. The beard Brad, alone I'm sorry for the insult it. that I levied at No, no. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I levy insults at me. I, I, I attract them. <laughs> I'm a radio host yeah. in Los Angeles. Though. I also like, dipped to the bathroom for a sec, so I came in a little bit lost is what you guys were talking dude, about. Dude, they, they cut away to your empty chair and everybody just gasped. <laughs> yeah, it was really um, funny. But yeah, I mean, this was yeah, heck no, of a no, podcast. Th- this is awesome. <laughs> we want to have you back. Okay, I had something, but all of us were like just dogpiling trying to ask, and now I can't remember what my great outro question was going to be. Jeez, Louise. you know what I'm saying? Could, yeah, really super frustrating. But I guess that's a good thing. Can we? Because it means we're going to have to invite you back here at least end this podcast. Okay, stay on the line. We're going to coordinate uh, uh, on the other side of this. This is Midnight Mormons on FM ninety eight point one. Oh, 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 oh.